Behold the venom produced by the head of the snake. Gaze upon the fruits of its propagation of the global war machine. Commiserating its empire of destruction and misery as it slithers throughout the globe, bringing megadeth and agony to all. Beware the head of the snake. Stay vigilant, my friends. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for spending your time in the Tiger's Den. We will try not to waste it. It is Wednesday, February 21st, 2024 AD. I am Franco Matei, otherwise known as Angry Tiger. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, it is estimated that over 61 million people in this country have an addiction problem when it comes to drugs and alcohol. As things get worse with the nation's economy, that number will grow every day. The everyday stress of life puts pressure on an individual, and they look for shelter, unfortunately, sometimes in the wrong place. If you are viewing this program tonight and you have an addiction problem, please try to help yourself and find some kind of help. The harm that it will cause to yourself and your friends and your family is insurmountable if you let your addiction continue. If you are battling addiction, it can feel like you are all alone. But this is not the case. There are other people who can relate to what's going on and, and be able to help you. And they're willing to do so. Your life is precious. You are worth something. Don't throw yourself away, no matter how far down you may find yourself. You do have the ability to pick yourself up. So please keep the faith and remember you are worth it. You are not a piece of trash. You are not an evil person. You are a human being, and each of us as individuals are special. Every human being has the courage to fight back. So pick yourself up and dust yourself off. If you do not have an addiction problem, hopefully these episodes can help someone you know. So please share this information. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, hold on tight, because you have the tiger by the tail. With us tonight, ladies and gentlemen, a sunflower of light shining, the, shining rays of freedom upon the land. Liberty and kind consideration is in her heart and in her nature. Ladies and gentlemen, dr uh, retired drug counselor Ann Christ. Also with us tonight, a very special individual, Lee, the Liberty Lover, is with us tonight. And I will be candid with you, ladies and gentlemen. Lee has over a decade of experience in, re in recovery programs. He is also my brother and also a true warrior beating his own addiction. So I want to welcome both of you to the show. Thanks. Thank you very much for having us. So we'll start with Anne. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Franco. It's good to be here. Excellent. Excellent. Lee, how are you doing tonight, big brother? Oh, I am doing okay, little brother. It's an honor to be on your show. Um, and doing okay. Getting ready to go to work tonight. Nice, nice. And uh, you're going to work in a uh, in, in actually a recovery facility. You don't have to don't name it or anything. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I would not. Um, yes, I, I work at a recovery facility and I've been doing so for the last 10 years. And it's been a very unique experience. Nice. Uh, enriching at times and sometimes very, very heartbreaking. I could just imagine, and you've told me some of your stories. Um, Anne had a nice quote here. I'm going to throw it up on the screen, and I want to, you know, we'll, we'll discuss the quote really quick here uh, afterwards. Um, so it says, you are worth getting your life back. You are worth getting your family back. You are worth mending broken relationships and ridding yourself of unhealthy ones. You are worth fighting for, and your life is worth fighting for. 
Um, and why did you pick that? You sent that to me the other day and said you thought that would be good for our, our show tonight. What, what, what made you pick that? Well, I just know that um, a lot of times people, you know, continue to beat themselves up even in recovery. And, um, you know, I think people need to be reminded that all those things are important and that they, you know, they are worth having all those things. And even though it may take a little time for some of that to happen, especially, you know, earlier recovery, um, it's just really important to know that you are worth having good people, family, um, being loved <laughs> back. Um, and I, I just know that a lot of people beat themselves up for a long time, um, having had, you know, a crazy addiction time and maybe hurt people, hurt themselves. So, you know, it takes a while to forgive yourself and move forward. So that's why I picked it. Nice. Lee, what do you think of that quote that I just read? Well, I think it's, it's, it's very important because when you are in the heart of your addiction, you don't feel worthy of love. You don't feel worthy of uh, anybody's respect. Um, it's a very, very lonely place. And sometimes you can't control your actions, the things that you're doing, and it just becomes this very vicious circle where you just spiral deeper and deeper. So I, I really love that quote. Nice. Me too. Nice. You, you know, on, I, I discuss uh, on Tiger Tales a lot um, that you, you have to realize the value of yourself. Even if maybe you don't have like a big family or friends or, or loved ones, you need to be precious to yourself. There's there. And when you're, when you're an addict, like, like Lee just alluded to there, there is a feeling of disdain for yourself because you, you are, you're repeating behavior that you know, isn't good for you. And you, you know, you're, you can slowly, you're slowly destroying yourself and you slowly see yourself turn into this other person. And that, that affects your self-esteem makes you shameful. And then you use more, you know, if you, if you can't find a way to break out of that, then, it's 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 a vicious cycle and, and and as an addict for myself i was lucky i had my family and some friends that loved me and i and i you know and i realized what, what i was doing to myself and doing to them and, and i was able to turn myself around um and in your experience how do you when you're when you're in recovery how do how do you get people to get to that place where they they think that they're worth something well as i said before it takes time but I know um, back when I was working, we, we did a lot of like trying to do affirmations, which can be very difficult for people, you know, looking in the mirror and, uh, you know, affirming that they're a good person, they're no longer the person they were when um, they were using. I'm not sure that that's the way people go, you know, the counseling goes now, but I know, you know, once you start to be able to look in that mirror and not like hide away from it, um, be able to really see yourself as the person you really are and how you've changed, that's very helpful. So, you know, talking about some of the stuff that has changed for people in their recovery is one thing. Um, you know, what is uh, one thing that you do differently when, you know, somebody makes you angry or, you know, um, have them talk about those certain circumstances. Um, and that kind of helps them to see, well, okay, so back in the day, you may have gotten really angry 
um, lashed out, but now you're able to either walk away and not really take on the other person's viewpoint. Um, so I think it's just a matter of talking to a person um, and kind of meeting them where they're at. And like I said, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. But as people become stronger in their recovery, I think that their worth, self-worth increases, you know, it, it just keeps increasing because they're becoming healthier individuals. So. Nice. Lee, how do you get a person to the place where they can actually, you know, look at themselves without cringing or get to that area where they can start working on themselves? Well, uh, for me, uh, personally, um, I, I basically, I just had to hit rock bottom. I know that's a cliche that's used in recovery speak all the time, but I, I, I got to a point where I had no place else to turn. And then I, I went to um, recovery center. I detoxed and started. Um, I think one of the things that we don't talk about enough um, when it comes to early recovery is if um, you start doing good deeds. And when I say good deeds, it doesn't necessarily have to be helping another addict. It could be helping an elderly person put their groceries in their car in a parking lot. Okay, that doesn't sound like very much. But when you do things like this, your self-esteem starts to go up and you start feeling better about yourself. It could be anything, the smallest thing or the biggest thing. And as your self-esteem grows, you're much less likely to use. Um, and that's been my experience. So I always try to look for a way to help somebody out. And that's why I do what I do for a living. I'm certainly not doing it for the money. <laughs> because it's not there. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I mean, that, that's a it's a huge part uh, a huge part of my my current recovery, and uh, so I, I try to I just try to do good deeds. I try to be a better person. I try to I'm trying to make up for the things that I did. Um, I'm not going to forget those things that I did that hurt my family, that hurt my hurt my friends, that hurt everybody. The stealing, all the stuff that I did. Okay, I can never undo that. The only thing I can do is move forward and try to, you know, to help others. And um, we don't talk enough about that when we talk uh, when we're in recovery programs. Um, so uh, I, I love know, that, dude. I, I love it because it's atonement, right? It's atonement. It, it, it is kind of an atonement, but it, it's also it, there's a selfishness to it. And, and I, I hate to say that. But there is a self. I, I do a lot of these things because I want to help somebody, but it also makes me feel so good about myself that yeah. um, I, it, it just—it's it, a feeling that you can't really get anyplace else. So, true. That's been my personal experience. Nice, nice. You know, um, me, me and you, Big Brother, we talk about uh, you know this this subject frequently, and. Uh, you know, being being in the in the recovery industry now, this is you've been in two different places where you've worked with recovering addicts, and they yes. have programs. Um, what problems do you see in in the recovery world? I mean, and be careful. I mean, we have I, I have very strong opinions about this. I have very strong opinions about this. Okay, well, no, let them rip. We're all very okay. So I the big okay. So I've worked at a, a facility out in West Michigan that is top notch. 
their success rate is off the boards. Okay. Their success rate is 65% of the people that graduate their program are still sober a year later. The national average is around 8 to 10%. The difference between the place that and the place I'm currently working, which has an abysmal success rate. And of course, I'm not going to name that place. But um, I think we use the 12-step program as a cornerstone in so many of these rehabilitation programs. And um, it's wildly unsuccessful as far as uh, my perception is anyway. Um, the problem with that is that, uh, you know, I, I believe that the 12-step programs take so much of the personal responsibility for your own sobriety off of you and put it elsewhere. Uh, one of the one of the one of the one of the twelve steps is uh, be prepared for God to remove your character defects. And I'm not getting into a God discussion here, but that's not how that works at all. You work on your character defects. Um, you're reliant on a, a a sponsor. You must have a sponsor. You got to have a sponsor that you're going to call. Well, there's going to be that time when you can't get a hold of your sponsor. And you're going to have to have some personal fortitude not to pick up that first one. Because we all know that once we pick up that first one, we surrender all of our control. Because we do have control. We are not powerless. But once we pick up that first one, we lose control of that power. Now, the other place that I worked at that was, is very successful, their goal, I mean, they did use 12 steps, but it was just a tool in the toolbox. They went at um, with psychiatrists, psychologists, in one-on-one -on -one meetings on a week, on an almost daily basis, to try to get to what the root cause of why you're using. What are you trying to escape? Is there some childhood trauma that you're trying to get away from? Is there some kind of other trauma? Is there a mental illness going on? And I think that that approach um, is why they are so successful. And, uh, you know, and the third problem that we have in this, in this country right now is that we have attached money, money to uh, rehabilitation programs. And so they are profitable. Yeah. Um, the, the place, the place in Grand, in West Michigan, um, the program was free. I mean, absolutely free. They didn't accept insurance. They accept no payment whatsoever. And they were able to do that because they are sponsored by donors. Okay, they have a fundraising uh, committee. They have some very powerful, rich people, wealthy people on the west end of, of the state that donate to them because of their success rate. And so when you take money out of the equation, things really, really change. Um, so, I mean, these are, these are just some of the, the, the structures that I see that I would really like to see improve. Contrast that with the place you're in now. Is is the place you're in now? It's it, the funding is, from what I understand, it's state funded. It's all and, taxpayer funded. Yeah. And the more people that they turn over, basically, the more money they get. Yes. Yes. Um, they charge approximately seven hundred dollars per day per patient. We have right now currently forty two patients, ten in detox. It's eight hundred dollars a day for detox. The turnover rate, I mean, the part of the problem is, is that the program is only 28 days long, okay? And 28 days really is you're just scratching the surface of what needs to be done. 
the program that was successful, the program is four months long and you can stay there for six months if need be. Um, and they prepared you for going out in the world, whereas we do none of that. We have people that I've been working at this new place since April 24th. There are people that have been there five, six, seven times since I started working there. Wow. Um, and and it's, it's not because it's, it's because we accept them because it's about money. Because obviously we're not helping them. Um, right. And, uh, you know, it's the money is, is the big issue. A lot of these people are just using it as a shelter, as a timeout. Right. You know, they're not really there for recovery. They're there because they don't have any place else to go. And it's 28 days of three hots and a cot. And so, I mean, we're caught up in this thing. And taxpayer money is just being flushed down the toilet right here. Because it's, it's not. I think our success rate's probably around four percent, which you know, I mean, come on, that's sad. That's really. I sad. worked for, I worked for a place similar to that. I mean, it was a long term. Um, it actually had phases like a community residence, and then there was a supportive living, and then a shelter plus care. So all together, the person people could stay in the program for all together like six years and they provided educational they had like an educational uh program but we too experienced the people who really they would stay there for two years in my program get ready i mean seemed to be doing really well and then um but a month later after they were discharged to go out you know into the world which they are already halfway out because um, I did like an apartment program. I was coordinator for that. And then they would um, come back in about a month later because they relapsed. So I would say probably eight to 10% maybe were successful. So, and you know, it was a business. Like it was, uh, somebody's gone, fill that bed. Somebody's gone, you know. So I, I, I think, that really hinders the people, even though they had a long time to be there. I, we just weren't doing something right, you know, to see the people. And I saw successes. Don't get me get me wrong, but it was far and few between, which is very sad because there was some really bright. Hey, bouncers got bouncers got to go pot. I got to let them out. I'll be I'll be, I'll okay. be right back, guys. Sorry, everybody. Okay. <laughs> and well-educated people, you know, just go back out. So, it, you know, and it was a business and it was all like um, federal um, insurance, uh, Department of Social Services type um, funding. So, yeah, I, you know, I saw some things, but I also saw some good things about the program and I enjoyed it. I worked there for 12 years. Um, so, um, you know, I must've liked it. <laughs> I, I think that it helped. I think it helped that I was able to help a few people, you know, but yeah. And what you guys are doing is, is you're like angels, both of you. I mean, it takes a lot of patience to deal with these people. I mean, there's gotta be days you don't feel like going in there and dealing with the madness. Right. I mean, well, it, hopefully you deal, have a good, what both of you do. Hopefully you, well, we were, they were really big on really good supervision. So, you know, you were able to go talk to your clinical director 
about anything, you know, like I can't work with this person because, or so they would switch, you know, because we wanted to do the right thing. And believe me, people are, you know, can see through if you, you don't care for their personalities. So they were very big on clinical um, direction, which was really nice. Um, so yeah, I mean, there were times when, you know, I was sad actually i felt like you know i'm doing all this stuff trying to help and i'm i'm not getting through to certain people it could be kind of disappointing and sad but um you know i'm glad i had the i'm glad i had the experience it, it, you know i'm glad that maybe i touched some people um through the time that i was there so nice Hey, hey, Lee, you had mentioned an alternative, kind of like an Eastern philosophy recovery the other day. Uh, do you remember the name of that? I can't, I couldn't remember the name. I was trying to get it up on the, on the screen here. I think it's called Dharma recovery. Um, and they, they take a little bit different. It's more philosophical. And again, it gets back to the way you live, you know, the way you think about things, trying to be wise about your decisions. Um, yeah, it's called Dharma recovery. Um, there's also smart recovery out there, which kind of takes God out of the equation and pretty much puts the personal responsibility on you, um, which um, I mean, it's it's okay. I mean, all those type of programs are okay. Um, some of them are much better than others. Uh, you know, I, I like the Dharma approach, but again, um, you know, so much of this is personal responsibility, and that's one of the things that we don't teach enough of. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, eventually this is your life. You're the one that has to take responsibility for it. You can't pawn that off on anybody else. It's you mm -hmm. because I know that if I go and pick up tomorrow, I'm, at my age, I'm probably never coming back. Um, so it's very important to me to, to maintain what I'm doing right now and to keep working with people because. Um, I'm just trying to give people hope, you know, so. Um, nice. And I think uh, something that you said, you know, uh, you named a couple different um, recovery things. I, I always have said on this show, not everything works for everybody and people need to find a place where they can really do the work. And, you know, although I'm a strong advocate of the 12 step uh, programs, especially early on, just to get a foundation and maybe building a couple, um, you know, building a support network. Um, but that doesn't work for everyone. And so people need to find where they can do the work. And I mean, openly, you talked about um, seeing a psychologist and, and finding out you know, the root of the problem. And oftentimes that might be too much early on, and, but people will realize afterwards, and I actually had some clients that after they were in recovery a little bit, they'd say, you know, I think I need to go start talking to a psychologist. So they were ready to do that work. I think initially, at least in my experience, the few, um, they had to like um, overcome that you know, that need to pick up a drink to um, push everything down, so, or a drug. Um, so I think all of that is very pertinent. And I just think that people need to find where they're going to get the most help for themselves. And one thing doesn't fit, you know, fit everyone. So 
I was a big fan of the REBT cognitive, you know, therapy thing. I got a comment here uh, from Little John. Um, he says, uh, thanks, Lee. I have to be a, a man and do it myself, LOL. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's not necessarily true. I mean, especially early in recovery. You don't have to do it yourself early, uh, but eventually it's going to come to that. Eventually it's going to come to that. Um, like I said, there's going to be that moment when you've got that bottle in front of you and your sponsor's not answering the phone and you don't have anybody to talk to. And you're you going to have to get your self-talk. Your self-talk has got to get you through it. You got to have more tools. You got to have the tools in the, in the toolbox. They call it playing yeah. the tape. There's a lot of different things. You know, if I use what's going to happen next, then what's going to happen next? Then you kind of right. got to walk through the whole thing. Um, they, they, and that was that was from the cognitive therapy that I that, that I learned. So um, I have a question, Lee. Now, um, a lot of people who watch this show are religious, and we don't we don't have a problem. Now, you're you're not a religious person. I, I would almost no. go as to say it's okay to say you're an atheist, and I have no problem with that. Um, but here's my question for you now: being an atheist, okay? for other atheists, for other people who don't believe in God, or they're not religious in any way, shape or form. What do you, how do you, you just, how do you, how do you do that without a higher power? Is there no higher power? Do you make yourself the higher power? Is, is the program maybe the higher power? How do you, how do you think like, wrap my arms around that, wrap our arms around that. I'm not, I'm not a big, I'm not and a it's big all, advocate of the whole was, higher power uh, verbiage. I just uh, to think that some higher power is going to prevent you from using because you ask it to. Um, I think that's folly. Honestly, I don't want to be too offensive here. Um, I mean, so how many times when I was using did I, you know, if you were or somebody else asked God to help them stop? Did that work? Probably not. Almost certainly not. Um, so I, I, I don't like the higher power, uh, you know, uh, idea. You know, I was at an AA meeting early on in recovery, and, and I, I agree with you, Ann, that in early recovery, 12-step programs can be very helpful. Um, I was going to three to five meetings a week. And, yes, it was helpful, except for the fact that, you have these, you know, 12 step warriors. If you don't do it this way, you're not doing it right. Blah, blah, blah. You know who I'm talking about. They're at every meeting. Yeah. <laughs> They're at every meeting. This is the only way. <laughs> and, and that's it. And if you're not doing it this way, you're just going to relapse or you're a dry drunk or you know, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so they say to me, when I mentioned that I was an atheist at a 12 step program, they said, well, you can use a doorknob as your higher power. Now, what? Or the table over there, or this that door. Ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. It, it is, yeah. and, and this is the same answer I always got uh, when I mentioned my religious affiliations, and and so that was also a turnoff for me for for going to twelve steps. Um, I just that's not an answer. Um, you don't need a higher power. You're the higher power. You are. You know your friends, your network, um, your family. You know. When I, when I, when it, you know, whenever I, you know, even early on in, in my recovery, when I was still not on steady feet, um, when I needed something, I would call you and I would just, just talk to you. It didn't even have to be about that. Or I'd call Alyssa, my daughter. Um, 
it, it was things like that, those kind of connections that I guess that you, if you want to call a higher power, my family's my higher power. My good friends are my higher power. Um, I'm not counting on a deity to wipe these problems from me because that's not, that's not realistic. It's not realistic. So I guess that would be my answer. Interesting. Interesting. We're going to, we'll switch gears a little bit here. And, uh, so again, you know, uh, th this, this particular episode was kind of, kind of, uh, evolving around, revolving around self-worth and, and, and how you, how, how, how you bring yourself out of that. We all have an ego and, and when we, we have the good ego, we have the bad ego. And we, and when, when we hide from the ego, I think I, for me, it's hard to it's it's hard to put this in words, but when I was using it, it's almost like all the human qualities that a human being has, they were set to the side, and and I always push um, the power process. I feel that we 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 have a power process that we need to fulfill. I think this is why addiction happens and other other deviances in life happen is that modern life has kind of made it so we don't fulfill these things. We have three cups, I, I, the way that I put it. We have a spiritual cup, a mental cup, and a physical cup. And if you don't fill these cups up, you know, enough, then you you tend to go off into other things. Um, when I was using the, the need to find cocaine or opiates, was almost like the need to find food or water. It was extremely primal, primal, and there was nothing else in my purview. I could see nothing else other than that. Like I was hungry in the woods, and I, okay, I got to find some berries to eat, or I'm going to starve to death. Only it was drugs, you know. And and that it takes your humanity away, and and it's hard, you know. And like you said, Lee, without my friends and family and loved ones, I would have not understood what i was worth maybe not to myself but to other people that for me was the the stepping stone there where hey you have people who love you you're hurting them you're hurting yourself they're watching you you know you're embarrassing yourself and and that crushes the ego and it was it was hard to get that that belief in myself again back and what how do you you know how can we really get people to to get there that's it's just it's easily said and, but it's not easily done as i said before i think it takes time and in in the process of healing um once you take that drug away and you start realizing you know look what i've done um to my family my friends um look what i've done to myself as that as you heal from that then the self-worth comes you know comes you know eventually but i don't think any of that like happens in a set pattern i mean some people will still beat themselves up for their past and still feel terrible for like a long time but i think it's just that you know living life and seeing hey you know what I'm allowed to go back to my parents' house. You know, maybe they kicked me out and said, never come. You know, as time goes by, hey, my parents are letting me back. This is an example. Um, and then you start, you know, that person will start um, feeling better about themselves because they've come a long way. Their, their life is changing. They're becoming who they should be. 
Um, so I think it's just a process. I don't know that there's any set way to, to you know, say this is how you gain your self-worth back. I think it's just a process that, you know, comes with healing and time. Um, and forgiveness is the, to me, is the key, you know, and that takes a long time, is forgiving yourself for the things that you've done. Um, and I think we all are like that, right? Even just human beings, we've done things sometimes that we're not so proud of. So forgiveness is like, I think the foundation, and that's also a process, is learning how to forgive yourself. All those things are gonna bring you back to having self-worth um, and, and realizing that you do deserve all the good things that happened in your life um, because you've worked for it. And, and I'll go back to, Lee says that himself many times is that it's, it's your responsibility, it's no one else's. Um, I think that's a good point. And I really think I actually said things like that to my clients, like, hey, I can come and visit you every, every week and you can tell me a bunch of bull, but this is your life. You know, this is, this is for you. This is not for me. I go home at the end of the day, you know, I'm here to support you, but I go home. This is your life. So I kind of was out of, I kind of was unconventional <laughs> when I, when I uh, worked with people, but Again, everything is a process and, you know, people need to take charge of their own lives because they weren't in charge for a really long time when they were using, you know, drugs and alcohol. So that, that's that probably didn't answer your question, but. <laughs> no, that's, that's great stuff, man. Thanks. I'm glad you yeah. say that stuff. That's good stuff. Thank you. Um, I got a couple comments here. I got one from Pat the Plumber. Um. I think spirituality and sobriety is a balance. You can't place it all on God, just like you can't place it all on yourself. It's about mind, body, and soul. And I have the most problems when everything's going, going crappy. I never want to drink because then I know it'll just get worse. And then I have a uh, little John here. He says, people ask me why I want to quit or even slow down. And I say, it's for my family. And they say I should do it for myself, but it's for my family. And then Karen Carpenter says, you can't dwell on lousy things in the past once you deal with them. So kind of like keep it, keep it moving is what she's saying. What do you, what, what do you think, Lee? What do you think is, you know, is, is it a time? It's got to be time, right? Is, is, is that the whole key or? Well, yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of addicts, when they, when they go into programs, they expect it to happen very, very fast. And the magic doesn't happen right away. It's baby steps, time. Um, it, when you're in early recovery, your brain is still recovering from the damage that you did to it. The, the, the chemical imbalances take a while to, to balance back out to where you're, you're thinking straight again. So, yeah, you have to give yourself time. It took me about three months when I was clean um, at the, the program that I went to. And I was there for a year, um, if you recall, Franco. Yeah. Um, I was there for a year. About three months, I was out smoking with some of the other addicts, and and somebody told a joke, and I genuinely laughed at it. And I hadn't genuinely laughed at anything in a while, and it was like an epiphany hit me at that moment. Um, and like I said, it was three months in that hey, I'm actually enjoying my life without my substance of choice. And that, that was the moment, I think, 
when I felt like I can actually do this. Because um, I really had, when I walked in, I'm trying not to get emotional here. Um, I had zero hope. Um, I was a defeated person. Utterly defeated. And I thought that I was beyond any kind of help. And that moment was that that seed that just sprouted into what I'd become today. So I think people have to be patient. It's not going to happen immediately. Um, yes, you go through the, the, and I'm sure Anne has heard this, 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 uh, this term, the pink cloud, where the first week or two, oh, this is going to be so easy. I'm going to be able to do this. It's, you know, I've got this. You know, I've heard it so many times from addicts and that, you know, I've been there two or three weeks and they think, oh, I've got this. I've got this. And, and you got to get past that part. And, and mm -hmm. like I said, you start to get to really, truly know yourself. Um, you know, because to me, finding drugs and finding ways to get drugs had become instinct. Like you said, Franco, primal. It was instinct. Mm -hmm. It was more important than food. I would go without food to get my drug. And, you know, Franco, I was on the streets for a while. Oh, yeah. No, you. Yeah, dude, you were you were on the streets, literally, literally on the streets in Detroit. Um, tough, tough place to be on the streets. Let me tell you, um, you know, and it had become everything became instinct. Food was third or fourth on the list, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even remember the original question. I'm just rambling at this point. No, you're doing great, dude. I, and I just want to say something, you know, and, and, and Lee. You know, I watched you struggle with this, um, you know, and it, it was hard for me as your brother. And, dude, you're a warrior. You're a champion. I mean, you, you, you've been sober. I, I, I don't even know how many years it is. I stopped counting. You know, a little over how 10. many years has a little it been? 10. A little over 10. Over 10 years. So you're a warrior, you know. So I want to I give you a roar over here in the, in the diamond match. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate no, no <laughs> That's power, awesome. No no that problem. is great. I I appreciate that, Franco. I really do. You know, it means and, so much and, coming from you. No, yeah, dude, it's a big deal. It's a big deal, and I tell people that all the time. My brother's a warrior, you know, for sure. Little John, little John's thanking you in the chat. You know, um, way to go, Lee, and and he's thanking you for what you're saying. So you're even right now, dude. You're making a difference to somebody, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and it goes with that atonement thing. And, and again, it's. We're human beings. We're going to make mistakes. Things are going to happen. When you're a drug addict, it gets worse. You're, you're like Lee alluded to, your, your chemistry in your brain is not right. And some drugs, it takes up to a year or more for your chemistry to return. They say after you get out of recovery and you have some sober time, don't, don't have a relationship, you know, with a significant other for over a year, buy a plant, buy an animal, try to take care of that. I would say a plant before even the animal, but, and try to, you know, try to take care of that and not, and not, you know, and focus on yourself. There's nothing selfish about trying to focus on yourself and loving yourself. And, and, and maybe you can help us out and then we'll go to Lee for, for now for women, it might be and and you can correct me too if I'm wrong because that's why I have you here, right? I mean, you know, I'm not a professional. I just have what I went through and what I know. Um, for a man, it's very hard to get into your own feelings and to look at yourself and and say I can forgive myself or I'm worth something. You know, I you know, so a lot of men that oh that's manby pamby and 
you know, no, you have to love yourself. And it's, it, it's, it's something that, that you, it, it's not easy to do, especially for males because they, they have to deal with their feelings and men like to avoid feelings. Right. So it takes bravery to do that. How do you, how do you get a man to make that leap and actually look at himself and turn the pasta around in his, in his belly so he can find the meatballs? <laughs> well, I don't know if there's a, like, again, I don't know if there's a specific way. I know I'll be honest with you. Like, I think that men, when they're at least the men I worked with, typically if they were able just to talk about real things that, you know, like, I don't know what, what, to, what to use as an example. I mean, no, they didn't cry a lot. Um, I did see a few men cry, but I think men can express themselves, their feelings without like the, you know, the drama like women have, I guess. You know, I mean, we're, I don't know. I mean, I think that they just express themselves differently than women do. Um, but I will tell you that there were some women that didn't show their feelings either. And probably never would because just the way they were built, you know, they did the work on um, crying wasn't part of it, but discussing was talking about what was going on for them. So I just think that men express themselves differently than women do. Um, again, um, if a, a person, a male is crying, that's fine because that's who that person is and that's how they express themselves, you know. Um, I think everybody's different. Um, I think just talking and being real with a person, you know, letting them know that you're a safe person to talk to, um, not always having answers, letting them find their own answers, letting them talk through it a million times if they need to, to find their own answers. Because as a, I mean, as a counselor, it's not up to you to, tell people what to do it's about letting them figure that out and just you know providing a place where they can talk and i'm not saying you can't make suggestions to people i'm just saying sometimes just an ear and letting someone say things a million times until they reach you know a conclusion for themselves i think that's really important so I know oftentimes you turn to me and say, what, what do you do? Well, I think I just, you know, listened a lot. Um, I would answer if they asked me a question, I tell them what I thought about something, but I basically let people just, you know, figure it out. And in that process, just talking to me on um, being able to feel safe um, talking to me was how I conducted you know, how I conducted myself is just to try to listen to people. Nice. So. Nice. Lee, you, now you, we have the unique, uh, you know, and I'm sure all rehabs have major cities around them, but you get a lot of guys from Detroit, rough and tumble gangsters, all kinds yeah. of different, you know, men. What do you, how do you, I, I, I know you talk to them. What do you tell them, man? How do you, how do you tell them to, 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 to look into themselves or, or, or have that bravery? Well, I think for men, especially the, the kind we're talking about right now, uh, men do do not like to face their vulnerabilities 
and talk about the things that scare them. Because, of course, we're big, rough, tough, tough men, and nothing's supposed to scare us. And we have no vulnerabilities, and you know, I'm tough and blah, blah, blah. But all of us have vulnerabilities. And kind of expounding on what Anne said, you know, if you can face those things, you can find a safe person that won't judge you. And you can just empty empty your heart and your mind of these things. Um, I think that's a big step. Because we all have, just like you said, this ego, this mask that we wear. And, you know, we all have vulnerabilities. There are things that scare me. The things that I, I, I know I need to improve about myself or um, whatever. Um, I, I, I try to talk to the guys in a way that that they can feel comfortable telling me what they're most afraid of and uh, it, sometimes it works and, uh, and a lot of times it doesn't there's 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 a, a young kid that uh, was in a gang i think i told you about this guy franco when he was there and he was you know he's asking me you know how he can change his life and i you know i he's, he was uh, you know he's dealing drugs on the streets and i told him i said well you know you got you got two kids why don't you get away from that why don't you uh, uh look into some trade schools maybe get into heating and cooling or or try to become an electrician, something where you're going to make good money and you can take care of your kids in a healthy way and be a good role model. And as I only had him for three weeks, as time went on, just before he left, he had signed up to take a heating and cooling course. Nice. And I find that that, that that was a victory for me. Um, I, I, I don't know where he's at. He has not returned, and this was, was over six months ago. So I have high hopes for him. Um, so I, I don't even know if I answered your question properly, but no, you uh, did, dude. Yeah. No, you did. You, you both of you are, are you, you guys are, are wealth fountains of information, and I love the sincerity. Lee, can you are you going to be here with us for a few more minutes? Because I have like a three minute video I'd like to play. I thought it was pretty good. And it's yeah, yeah, I got a few more minutes. Okay, cool. Let me uh, let me get this up on the screen here. Oh, where did it go? Oh, here it is. All right, let's do that. And then we'll do this, and boom, it's up on the screen. And check out this video, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, Ann and Lee. I just want to remind you out there, don't quit. Don't give up. No matter how many times you fall, get back up. Get back up. Don't stay down. If you fall seven times in one day, you get back up seven times in one day because it's worth it. It's worth it. Your life is worth it. It's like I said before, there is a rainbow at the end of the tunnel. It may look bleak at times, but there is a rainbow at the end of the tunnel. You just got to work for it. You got to push towards it. Anyone that ever achieved anything, it wasn't given to them. They had to go out there and work for it. And you have to do the same for your survival. Um, just don't give up. Stay the course. Don't ever quit. Don't ever quit. You're so close away from achieving what you're trying to achieve. Stay strong. Be positive. Tell yourself, I am going to do this. I can do this. I'm willing to do this. Whatever it takes to get my life back, whatever it takes to get everything back that was taken from me, fight for it. Give it everything you got. You're worth it. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to smile. Uh, life wasn't meant for you to be depressed and held down in the dumps because of bad choices that you made throughout your life. Start making the right choices. Do what you need to do 
to get your life back. You can do this. If I can, you can. I lost everything, everything. But there's some, somewhere or something deep down inside, I didn't just quit and give up. Only thing that I gave up was the drugs and alcohol. That's what I gave up, the drugs and alcohol. So I'm encouraging you, be a fighter. Fight for your life. Fight for your children. Fight for your family. Fight for your marriage. You have so many things to fight for. So many things to fight for. Don't let drugs and alcohol take that away from you. You're a better person. You're a better person than that. You wasn't born to do that. You wasn't born to do drugs and alcohol. You was born to enjoy life. You were born to enjoy life. Be fruitful. I encourage you to hold your head up. Hold your head up and be proud of who you are. Because you are somebody. Whether what people want to label you, you still are somebody. Your name is not alcoholic or drunk. You are somebody. Remember that you are somebody. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, your thoughts, Anne? That's a great video. And it actually could apply to everybody, <laughs> whether you're an alcoholic or addict or not. I mean, you know, things can be so depressing in life and lots going on. And as we know, um, and just, you know, having that uh, uplifting, positive outlook on life, it helps, you know. I mean, it's easy to stay depressed and bummed out about things. Um, it's It takes some work to remain, you know, positive and look at like brighter things. So I liked it. <laughs> what do you think, Lee? Yeah, I thought that was excellent. Um, very affirming. Um, you could start your day off watching that video every day and it would do you some good, even if you aren't an alcoholic or a drug addict. Right. I, I agree. And I, I like it because he shows you have the power. We all have the power inside of us. We all have strength. We all have courage. We all have love that we can give to other people. And then love will return to us. And that's 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 the thing that when, when you're a drug addict, you lose those things. You lose sight of those things. You can get them back. Those things, if you're watching this, they're not lost forever. Don't forsake yourself. Don't forsake the joy in life. We live in a very crazy world right now. It's very, very tough. And I am, I get hit on the head and I get back up again. I know, I know Lee, you get hit on the head, you get back up again. And you, same thing with you. And you got to try to keep that positive attitude. And it's these, when you look at a situation, you have to surmise the situation. It's your attitude about a lot of situations. If you think you can do something and project that, on yourself, you'll get it done. Um, we got about 10 minutes left. Um, and or Lee, before you go, because I'm sure you, you're, you're not going to be able to stay with us though, until nine, right? No, yeah, I'm getting ready uh, to, to sign off here. I got to start preparing for work. Message to the people watching. So we do have addicts and, and alcoholics watching, and we do have people who have friends and family are addicts. What is your message to those people, Lee? Um, I, you you kind of just said it all, really. Um, there is hope because there was no more of a hopeless person than myself. 
everything that I lost during my addiction, my family, money, all those things that I lost, I got it all back. It didn't come back. It didn't come back immediately. And I had to work for it. But everything that you've, everything that you've lost, you can get it all back, especially your family's love, all that stuff. You can re-earn their trust. You can re-earn those great, you know, Christmases and holiday seasons and dinners with your family. You can get the money back. Money is something that comes and goes. It's always going to come and go, you know. You know I've been through a rough time financially just recently with the, all the car issues and all that other stuff. And I, was, I got down and I allowed myself to grieve for a little bit. And you can do that. But then you pick yourself up and you get better. And things will come back to you. There, there's nobody is hopeless out there. Absolutely nobody is hopeless. We all can do this. Nice, nice. I love it, Lee. Karen Carpenter. Karen Carpenter says, "Nice to meet you, Lee." Jason Barker, what did where did it go? Thanks for your time, Lee. And Little John says, "Many thanks, Lee." So uh, we appreciate you. it, Big Brother. Thank you so much for coming on. It was an absolute honor. You are a true warrior, brother. And I, I, I want to give you one more, one more lion's roll before a tiger's roll before you leave. Thank you so much. No, <laughs> no problem. I, I really enjoyed myself, and it's very nice to meet you. And uh, thank you for 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 coming on my brother's show too. Um, he speaks highly of you all the time, so uh, I appreciate all that. Um, and uh, I will sign off now. Little, little brother, I'll talk to you a little bit later on. All right, dude. Have a good night, man. Later. All right. Yep. Well, and it's just me and you for the next seven minutes, but we it uh, sure is. <laughs> we covered a lot, and uh, that was that was pretty. That video, I, I like that video a lot, and I, I like the opening statement that you had a lot because it tied in with the video and it tied in with everything we're trying to say here. And and the main thing is is and, and, and here's a message to people who have addicts in their life or drug alcoholics in their life. Don't a hundred percent give up on them. Um, I had to, like my son, he had an addiction. I threw him to the walls. He can't, I didn't give up on him though. I needed him to hit his bottom. My brother, I loved him. I had to kind of cut him off to a certain extent. If he needed food, water, shelter, sure. Okay, well, shit, even the shelter, I could, you know. But the food and the water, sure, I got you. But don't cut these people off. Don't forsake them. They are redeemable. They are human beings who are redeemable. They have, they, they have the power, like I said, inside of them to, to bring themselves back to life. And when they come back, it is so, it, it, it's rewarding as, as someone in their life. You know, you, you don't don't forsake those people in your life that that might have an addiction problem. Try to give them positive, you know, energy, positive advice. Try to tell them things that that will help them. Don't constantly beat up on them. What what do you think, Ann? What, do you, what what's your advice to people who have a drug addict or or alcoholic in their life? Be patient for one thing. Be patient. Um, it's going to take some time for them to heal. But you know, sometimes you do have to do like you did you know, for your own health, for your own, you know, peace and health. Um, I actually will share personal on um, my sister, pretty much. Um, we all had to cut her out. Um, she was always scamming, calling for money. Um, and it was very difficult, especially for my parents um, who always took care of her. 
every time she would call. But um, she now has um, 30 years of recovery. So um, she finally, you know, came back and she ended up, you know, uh, being back in the family. And we're all glad that she's back and living a somewhat, you know, she's not 100% even after 30 years, but she's doing a lot better. Um, but I also just want to mention to people who are in early recovery, another really, really easy thing, if you're feeling down, um, feeling like you might drink, you know, I know it's winter, I'm in Florida. So I mean, this is easy for me to say, take a walk. It's really amazing what a walk will do. You could be in, even for myself, you know, if I'm kind of eh, having a bad day, if I force myself to take a walk, it really does help your mood. It helps you kind of work, you know, work out whatever is going on for you. And you come back and you're like, I'm really glad I did that. So, you know, um, I just, I just think forcing yourself sometimes and you don't may not want to a hey, bundle up. I used to walk in the snow. I dress up like an Eskimo when I looked up north and take a walk in the snow. Um, it's refreshing. It helps your mood. It helps your mind helps your body, helps everything. So, um, and don't give up because you are worth it. You are a, you know, a good person inside there, regardless of what's happened in your life. Um, you just need to like, I think Lee said it is, you know, you have to take some responsibility for your recovery. Um, and you can't expect anybody to do it, but you, and it takes time. So absolutely. We got a comment from Jason Barker. He says, uh, we have this issue, Ann, with someone in our family. Helping was hurting. It sucks, but we had to cut her off entirely, and now everyone else has as well. And then he goes on to say, I can't believe she's still out there. I worry she will wind up dead. Well, you know, we pray that she doesn't, Jay, and we'll say some prayers yeah. for you as well. Um, hopefully that doesn't happen. But, you know, if if she if she comes and, you know, and, and she's starting to try to do the right thing, then try to be supportive at that yeah. point, you know. Yeah, it is one thing you have to throw them to the wolves. I hate using that term, but but then when you see that maybe they they're learning their lesson and they're going to get in get some help and they're serious about it, then that's the time to support them. And you have to be able to forgive them. I my brother, I mean, through my addiction, had to forgive me. Through his addiction, I had to forgive him. Anne had to forgive her sister. This is this is part of being a human being. This is, you know, no matter what spirituality or religion you are, I haven't studied one single religion where forgiveness isn't one of the cornerstones of that religion. So you, you have to be able to forgive people. You know, it's 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 extremely important and, and you have to be able to forgive yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you're an addict and you're listening to this, you got to forgive yourself and you got to dig deep and find that power. You you have it in you. It's it's remarkable. And to your point about the walk in. You go on the walk and your mind, something happens. I'm addicted to walking. Okay, so now I have a new addiction. It's walking. I have to walk every single day. Even if it's freezing cold out, even if Bouncer doesn't want to go, he'll stay in the truck and I'll walk, uh, you know, a little bit. I have to do it. I yeah. have to see the trees. I have to see the birds or the cloudy sky or sunny sky or blue sky. I need to get out and, and move around a little bit. Um there's something that happens. It's magical when you walk, you, you, you're, you're getting fresh air, your, your body and your mind, you're doing something natural. 
And when yeah. you when you want to do drugs, it's that's unnatural. Like you heard Lee said, he would skip meals. Yeah, and I've done that too. Food's not important when you're a high on, you know, when you're a drug addict or you know, or an alcoholic. What's the most important thing is getting that fix, getting that drink, you know. And, and when you get back to natural things, you don't have to be an outdoorsman like Angry Tiger, all right. But when you get back to those things, when you go out and you do something natural like walking, there's a lot of stuff going on in your mind, and it brings you back to your true self. Not yeah. the self that you you buried with all these this drug use and 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 you've taken your chemical balances and thrown them off. So, um, and this has been a great show. I want to thank you, and we we were going to continue to do these at least once a month. Um, last month we had a very busy month, both of us and and I, me Anne and I, and uh, we were unable to get things together. Op will probably be joining us again next month. We had Karen Carpenter; she had a busy day. But uh, this is important, and I think it's important for the people in our community. Um, and and closing thoughts. Um, just don't give up. Um, also, uh, Franco, I'm so you know appreciative that you do this show, and hopefully it's helping somebody out there. Um, I just appreciate having the time to um, chat with you and give you my my thoughts on things and. Uh, Anyone out there, please just um, reach out to somebody that you feel comfortable with. Um, I guess that's all I have to say. Nice. And I just want to tell everybody, even if you're not a drug addict or an alcoholic, believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. Have a little bit of an ego, that good ego. Believe in yourself. And everybody, I want to thank everybody in the chat. Uh, Jason Barker, Karen Carpenter, Freegan, Little John. Audi, Modern Retro Radio. Sorry, I didn't play any commercials. I didn't play any commercials today. White Wall. Uh, who else do we have here? Um, am I missing anybody? Occult Priestess was in there. Patrick the Plumber is in there. Everybody who is going to view and all of my viewers, I really appreciate it. Check out my Tiger Tales. It's very motivational. Um, it's not about you know, always about drugs or anything. like. It's about a lot of different stuff. Very motivational. It's a lot of fun. We do requests in the last hour or like a Dear Abby in the last hour. Please check out the Tiger and the Snake Financial Report. Please share this episode specifically. This is an important episode to get out into the aggregate on the social media. Please comment and please like. I got 21 people watching. I got five likes. Help me out, guys. Help, help us build it's this algorithm. What's that? They're light bucket people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, you know, you always get, you will always be genuine on this show, no matter what it is we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> With that being said, remember, time is your most valuable commodity. Cherish it. Try not to waste it. Spend it doing something you love with someone you love, improving yourself, preferably all three of those things. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for viewing. And until we meet again. Your time is your most valuable commodity. Cherish it and use it wisely until we meet again.